welcome to the Farm Bits Podcast, a product of Nebraska Extension Digital Agriculture. I'm Jackson Stansel. And I'm Samantha Teton. And we come to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews and panels with experts, producers, and innovators from all sectors of digital technology, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Hello, and welcome to the Farm Bits Podcast. We're glad you've decided to listen to this episode. We're getting back to our traditional content this week by welcoming Naeem Zafar, CEO of Telesense, to tell to us about Telesense's grain monitoring solutions. Telesense is based out of San Jose, California, and began when its founders identified a significant need for remote monitoring solutions in the post-harvest grain industry. As you'll hear Naeem mention, Telesense is dedicated to the mission of minimizing spoilage in post-harvest grain storage and transport, which is one of the leading causes of food waste internationally. In this episode, we will discuss Telesense's product lineup, the information and decisions they enable for their customers, and how they see data being of enormous value within the post-harvest grain industry. We really enjoyed this interview, and I really think that you will too. So here's our interview with me. Well, I'm an electrical engineer. I went to school uh, in Brown University and did my graduate studies at the University of Minnesota. Worked for Honeywell for five years and started my first company at age 26. Wow. This is number seven. <laughs> CEO five times. Uh, and uh, last company we sold to Oracle, that was in mobile security space. If you have an iPhone with a touch ID, fingerprint sensor, we invented that. Apple bought that company with two hands in between. The other companies were in chip design space. So I've been around the block. And uh, when I sold my last company, I was convinced that IoT, Internet of Things, will be big. That's a fancy word for wireless sensors talking to each other. Sure. So we realized, okay, what's the use case? Where would it fit? What's the problem to be solved? So it took me three years before I focused on post-harvest grain. I realized that post-harvest grain, not a lot of new technology has been applied. People have been doing the same thing for the last you know, 40 years. And a lot of uh, money is uh, lost in spoilage inefficiencies. Can we use wireless sensors and some artificial intelligence and software to eke out a few more pennies for every farmers and growers and grain handlers? And we saw an opportunity. We saw a a relatively favorable competitive landscape, and on we go. So then awesome. I was able to put together a team, raise a couple of rounds of financing, and now we have over 400 customers, and uh, it's looking good. Awesome. Do you mind telling us a little bit more about Telesense and what the mission is? The mission is that farmers are essential to our survivor. Everybody has to eat, and we waste depending on where you start counting, anywhere from 2% to 40% of the food we produce. In developed world, most of that is lost after we cook it. But in underdeveloped world, most of that is lost before you cook it. So I'm focused on before we cook it. Yeah. That loss is still add up to you know, billions of dollars. Actually, the estimate is between 13 billion to higher. Uh, you know, the spoilage rate of grain, grain never improves in quality once you harvest it. 
Right. Don't tell. Question is, can you tell when will it go downhill? When should I sell it? Which bin should I empty first? When should I turn the fans on? When the turns fan, when do I turn the fans off? How to do optimal conditioning and moisture management? These are the questions which keep farmers awake at night. So if he can help them by giving them data and prescriptive insights so that can take an action, the life is much easier. And even a few more pennies per bushel is life-changing. So this was a, to me, was a great mission. It has profit in it. It has social benefit in it. It has environmental impact in it. That's what we call a triple bottom line company. So before we get into kind of Telesense's product lineup, which I think we'd like to talk about here in a minute, I kind of want to ask you, you know, coming from outside of the agriculture space, what was that learning curve like to kind of understand some of the problems that were being faced within the within the grain industry? Um, and how did, did some of your previous experience, you know, leading tech companies translate to what you're doing now? What I learned leading the previous tech companies is you can't jump on a solution. You got to take some time to understand the problem. So this came by talking to dozens, scores of growers, grain handling companies. And then we set up an advisory board with professors and uh, three professors in doing research in the grain area and three business people who are handling grain. So for example, we have uh, you know, a professor from North Dakota and Manitoba who are experts in the field and publish papers. Then we got companies like the world's largest grain broker, their founder, McDonald Pels is a company, Bobby Pels on our advisory board, uh, other people from organic industry. So you educate yourself. Once you educate yourself, you talk to a customer, you hear, listen to them, then you have a clarity, what is the right solution? Solution is the easy part. Understanding the problem, harder part. So since I've done a few companies before, we knew this clarity, took our time, and you know, put some basic products out there, then iterated, then expanded, then acquired companies and built, built some momentum from there. And we're just getting started, guys. There's a very clear and long vision yet to accomplish over the next five years. Do you want to give us an overview of Telesense's product lineup for our listeners? The point is, if I knew the temperature, moisture, and some other parameters like carbon dioxide level in a bin, then I know what's wrong. Because you, what happens is grain is alive. It's, a, it's breathing. It's, it is, uh, and pests get in, and pests start eating it, it becomes hot. It becomes so hot, it can even catch fire. And every year, number of bins, silos, and barges go up in flames. Can you detect it before it gets too bad? Well, that's a good idea, but no, best idea people had until now was what if we hang some cables from this from the roof? And if something gets hot, it will touch my temperature sensor. And then if I'm smart enough to go out and check the cables, hey, I'll be able to detect a condition. Nice. Couple of problems. Number one, you have to reinforce the roof. So expensive. You hang the cable, they get slapped around by the steriators and augers and brake. So about less than 30% of the facilities in the US have these cables. Most people do what? They go around a couple times a month, they open the bin, they sniff it. They smell moldy? No, nah, that's, that's all right. 
And, you know, we all had an uncle who can listen to your car and tell you what's wrong with a car just by listening to it. So that's what farmers did. Problem is the new generation coming in may not have the same skills. And then even if sometimes people will go around and take some samples and check the CO2 levels or check the moisture level. So it was patchy data. So you made decision that were patchy. What we did was made it easy to collect data. I'm holding in my hand what I call a spear. It has a metal shaft, could be up to six feet long. It has five different sensors built into it. There's a little bulb on the top, size of a watermelon, not watermelon, a grapefruit. It has all the electronics in it, which can transmit the data wirelessly. So imagine you walk around with spear, you stick it into a pile of grain, and five minutes later, you can see the values on your cell phone. So you, if you make it that simple, doesn't require a electrician to install it, then people are much more likely to do something like that. So that's one of our product. We have two or three of different shapes and form factors. The point was make it so simple, you stick it in or you hang it in your bin, in the one in the plenum, one in the headspace, and you're getting data. The magic happens in the cloud. Data is got into the cloud in a server when we analyze. That's where the machine learning, artificial intelligence comes in. We look for nuance, trends, deviation. That tells us what's going on. So think of it like a doctor looking at your pulse. Doctor says, say, ah, I don't know what that does, but whatever it does, tells them something. Sure. That's what we're doing. We're looking at those symptoms and diagnosing what could be wrong to the grain. Then we can tell you, turn the fans on on bin number seven for eight hours starting at midnight. Because we have analyzed what's in the bin, what's the weather forecast, what's the moisture in the air, boom, solution. So, so it looks like, you know, you kind of have a very, uh, very, I guess, portable is kind of the right way to describe it, portable modular um, design there with that sphere. So, I mean, what different storage schemes and transportation type? Are you working with, you know, only growers? Are you working with co-ops? Is this transportation? I mean, where all is this sort of technology applied? Short answer is all of the above. Okay. The long answer is, so we have four different types of, I just showed you the one spear. Mm -hmm. This spear is ideal for ground piles, for barge, for railroad, and silo bags. Then we have something called a spider, which goes for the vertical bins. We listen to the air going into the silo at the plenum. We listen to the air coming out of the grain mass on the headspace. The delta tells us what's happening to the grain mass. So fans turned on, our ears perk up. When fans are off, we take a rest. Mm -hmm. So then fans are on, we know CO2 level is rising. Temperature, moisture, that tells a lot what's going on inside the grain mass. Then if you already have cables, then we have an adapter box. So you don't have to send the guys out there to read the value. We suck the value automatically out, make them transparent. So you could be in Florida on a beach, you can see on your phone, what, how is your bins doing back in Iowa? That's, and, there's value to that, there's a lot, yeah. Basically, depending on the structure type, we have a different product where we cover all scenarios. You wanna share what? different types of crops that y'all's products are used in? So the five or six most popular crops is used is corn, soybean, wheat, canola, and barley. But the fact is, it's also being used for potato storage. You know, you harvest the potatoes, you put them in a warehouse, or you put them in underground. You need to know, because what if they start sprouting? That's no good. 
So, so we are talking to those guys, we seed growers. So a lot of time people grow seeds, contract farmers, and they bring the seed in at the end of the season and they get docked or rejected because it's out of spec. It doesn't have the germination strength left. Well, now the companies are forcing farmers to use this technology so they can tell them, are you in good shape? Don't even waste money on gas driving up here because you're not gonna get you know, paid what you expected. So this technology being adopted by that. Another thing you said uh, was, you know, we're we selling to both co-ops, uh, the elevators, as well as the on-farm storage, the growers and farmers. So all three is target. I think right now, I'll say 60% is going to co-ops, maybe 40% to on-farm growers, and maybe 10, 15% to elevators. That's a, that's a pretty interesting breakdown. It seems like it's a pretty well-balanced approach there. To, to get a little bit deeper into the technology, what sort of connectivity are y'all using to get data up to the cloud? Or, or is this all, you know, does each one of them basically have like a cellular modem uh, within the device? Or is it something that, you know, you're using a gateway on a farm or uh, kind of at a grain elevator that's collecting the data from multiple sensors and then sending it to the cloud? How, how exactly are y'all working on routing that data? Short answer is all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> but the long answer is, depending on the use case. So the sphere I showed you, we have two versions, a cellular version and a LoRaWAN version. So cellular version, direct, that's ideal for barges or for railroad. Mm -hmm. So not only we know what the condition is, we also know the geolocation of your barge uh, or the rail car. The, the other sphere also has LoRaWAN local mesh network. So it talks to a gateway and gateway then talks cellular or you plug in ethernet. That's good for piles. And uh, spider, which goes into vertical silo, also cellular. And then we plan to add another version, which will do also Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. So we, we offering multiple of these stuff, depending on the use case, how the, good the coverage is, where you're located or whatever else you need. Out of curiosity, how long is the like battery life? The short answer is four years, but we have some which have been operational for more than five years. But we just have four years because every year we take them out, they get banged up. So that's how we uh, estimate. But some people have used longer than that. And some people have ran their tractor over them. And then life is cut short prematurely. So we see that too. But in general, four years. And the battery life on uh, one kind of sphere is four to five years. And the cellular is one to two years, but they're rechargeable just like your cell phone. So the same port, mini USB port, you can recharge them. That's really cool. And it's, it's kind of funny that you you brought up uh, the idea that some of them have been, you know, run over or whatever, because um, that was going to be, you know, one of the, the next questions I was going to ask you is, you know, what have been some of the challenges in designing a robust solution, right, for kind of this, this portable uh, grain monitoring space? Because it seems pretty unique that y'all are working in, in the transportation industry as well as the actual bin monitoring uh, side of things? Because I, I guess I haven't seen another grain monitoring company that's that's delved into the transportation side. You're absolutely right. And that's one reason we focused on that. The good news is we did not need to design a new product. The sphere, we realized, hey, that's that cellular, doesn't talk to a gateway. On a barge, that's a perfect solution. Mm -hmm. Because then what happens is, you know, there are thousands of barges traveling up and down Mississippi. But you, you could be stuck in New Orleans for two months before you unload the barge. And barge is ideally 
it's not a good place to store grain because a lot of moisture around you and bad things happen. And so you, there's no way to aeration. It, there's no fans there. So this solution really works well. So this, this just, I don't know, there's kind of, it kind of opened a new new route of questioning here, just thinking about being on those barges, waiting to kind of get to port. I mean, is this something that, um, you know, are y'all marketing your products to those people that are sitting there on shore at the port saying, this is how you should prioritize which barges are coming in, right? Based on how, how the quality of the grain is, is that kind of the idea there? Exactly, because what happens is like, uh, you know, ADM is one of our customers they use on barge traffic. They they know about 20% of the barges when they're loading them are high risk barges. Mm. Why? Because the moisture of the grain going in is higher than some other ones. When you harvest corn, you're harvesting maybe 22, 24% moisture. But at that moisture level, you got a week before bad things will happen. Mold will start and, you know, hot spots can develop. So you ideally want to dry it a little bit before you. So again, you, if you're loading it up with 18% moisture, high risk, 16% medium risk, 14% very low risk. So they, yeah, so once they declare which barges are high risk, then they want to use spears to make sure they're not heating up. If they're heating up, they can divert the barges, unload. You don't want to risk you know, barge going up in smoke. So. Yeah, so it could be very, very proactive and they've been using it very successfully. So what challenges, if any, do these products um, present to an operator on their normal operations? Short answer is none, but uh, but obviously that sounds flippant. So uh, I think normally when we walk into some grower, this like, yeah, where have you been all my life? This makes sense. And again, our price point is about one third the alternatives they had. So that's like, that's pretty good. Uh, I think the issue is sometimes you don't get connectivity. Sure. Because, you know, in rural US, connectivity is still a problem. People keep talking about a broadband rural network and we very much look forward to that. That will simplify things. So that's an issue. Uh, of course, sometimes uh, availability of labor is an issue for installing it. Uh, sometimes we found a problem that, you know, the way people didn't take care of the tarps, some moisture got in uh, where spear goes. So we, we then end up fixing the problem. We made a spear skirt, which sort of protects the, so there's a seal so moisture can get in. So this was a learning experience. We did not know that that moisture can get in. We put a tape on it, but we needed to do something more than a tape. So we did that this year. Uh, yeah, so... You know, this minor issue, I mean, I wouldn't call them any showstopper. This is learning, just learning, yeah. It's just, it's just figuring out how to how to integrate them and, and kind of dealing with anything that, that you know, somebody hasn't anticipated yet because there are always unanticipated, you know, outcomes. Yeah. yeah. So think, you know, there's a natural resistance too. Remember, suppose a company is running, let's say, eight sites. This will tell the management that site number six always is falling behind and Things are not up to maintain. So manager of site six may be reluctant to deploy something because it's keeping an eye on it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a, those tensions as well. So you've talked about kind of the savings that we get here, right? And, we, and how important it is for our global supply of grain to make sure that we're maintaining, um, maintaining grain after it's been harvested. But also there's a cost savings for farmers, for companies. Can you quantify kind of the financial and savings impact that being able to monitor your grain may really mean for somebody? And I know that's kind of a tough question. I'm putting you on the spot, but. So 
you've talked about kind of the savings that we get here, right? And, we, and how important it is for our global supply of grain to make sure that we're maintaining, um, maintaining grain after it's been harvested. But also there's a cost savings for farmers, for companies. Can you quantify kind of the financial and savings impact that being able to monitor your grain may really mean for somebody? I know that's kind of a tough question. I'm putting you on the spot, but. No, no, it's not tough. I mean, I, I get asked this question all the time. So we have quantified it. And short answer is cost of the solution is about two cents a bushel or less. And you should see a benefit of eight to 12 cents a bushel after one year. Okay. So, and that benefit comes from four buckets. One is able to spot spoilage before it becomes bad and take some action. That's maybe half of it. Some comes from energy reduction. So you don't have to turn all the fan all the time. And you can be smart about aeration and fan. So tarp, the fans run 724 all the time to keep the tarp down on a ground pile. Now with smart intelligence, you run half the fans. The winds are not strong. The third comes from merchandising timing. See, you, you tarp your grain or store it once you harvest in October, November. In spring, when, when you can, snow is gone, you can start selling. Spot price goes, I mean, a couple of years ago, it was like $3.50, $3.60 a bushel for corn. But if you knew, the quality is pretty good. I've been watching it through my sensors. I don't have to sell right in March. I can wait till April, maybe even early May. The price jumped up about 30 to 40 cents a bushel. So if you knew the quality, then you can make a smart decision when to pick up the pile and when to book the rail car to transport it. This could be a huge delta. So this number, that's why that can be half the other benefit of your savings. So the fourth bucket being the logistics optimization. You know that you have a spoilage. You can make a contract for animal feed, not wait till you're surprised in June. So those four buckets contribute to about 5x what you invested in. So very compelling. Yeah, it's really good for those growers too to know what's in that storage. Um, one of the features I noticed on the spider system was the CO2 monitoring. Can you share why that matters um, in storing a commodity and um, how that individual can use that information? Exactly. So no, that's a very good question. So what happens is the best idea people had until now was this temperature sensors in hanging from the ceiling. Mm -hmm. So suppose, and they're not next to each other, they're like 10, 15, 20 feet apart. So something, something, a hotspot developed, got bigger and bigger. It may be a week and a half or two weeks before it gets close to the sensor for that to be able to detect it. Now you're two, three weeks into it, a lot of damage has already occurred. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you start developing this, uh, biological activity, the CO2 level begins to rise because these pests, they inhale oxygen, they exhale CO2. So just like some companies in building management can tell which conference room is occupied by looking at the CO2 level going up and turn the, the air conditioning on and off, same concept here. So normal CO2 in the, in the is 400 ppm, 400 to 500 ppm is normal. So in a silo, the plenum, when the air is coming in is 450 ppm, but the headspace going from 450 to 500 to 550 to 700 to 900, 1100, hello, 
problem must be something somewhere. It doesn't go by itself. And that we can tell within hours. So we are an early indicator. Before the hotspot develops and touches one of the sensors, we can give you a heads up so you can take some action early. That's the beauty. Yeah, it's really, that's, that's extremely, extremely interesting because it's something that, you know, really nobody can detect except for a sensor. I mean, your, your smell is not going to detect that. Temperature, like you said, is not going to detect it. So it's, it's super interesting to take use of that gas. And, I, you know, like you've kind of said, you're kind of providing growers this added level of information, right? Have you all looked into creating a monitoring and automated control system yet? Is this, is this somewhere that you're going? I've, I've seen some other, you know, push in the, in the industry towards this automated control aspect. Where, where is Telesense on that? Oh, uh, we'll, we'll have that next year. Okay. What we're doing today, and this was based on the discussion, uh, we, we give them alert, text messages, mm-hmm. do this, don't do this. And we show them in the user interface, turn the fans on for so long. Mm-hmm. The reason is in co-ops, there's lots of people running around, lots of bins. They don't want things to automatically start and stop. They want to have control over it. They say, tell us, we'll address it. We got maintenance going on over here. Electrician is working over there. Don't monkey with my equipment. Oh. So, sure. but the on-farm storage, the farmer, he doesn't want to drive his pickup truck 17 miles to turn a fan on. So he would like automation. Right. So we had to make a decision, which, which, who do we please first? So since the majority of our focus is on uh, co-ops and you know, elevators, so we, we focused with that, but then we are adding this actuation as well. So you'll have that option if you so choose. Do you think that's gonna be a pretty significant challenge for your team to be able to integrate with any of the existing fan systems that are out there? I mean, I guess, I guess I don't know the complexity of these different fan systems, or is this something you feel like you have a pretty good handle on and, and you know, should be able to tackle pretty quickly? Pretty good handle and one word answer, standards. Thank God for standards. Absolutely. Yeah. So their standards, all you have to do is flip a relay. So all the fan system work with relays, you flip a relay, it turns on, so, so short answer is not a big deal. That's the hard part is the decision logic. So that's the one we have been perfecting. That's the one we've been, we've been developing. Then we just basically, you know, you, it's like telling your cat to turn on the light. Can you provide us with some insights um, on the adoption of these technologies? I think the, 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 there are two, two answers to this. One is that we are just collecting data. We are basically a data company, which reluctantly had to develop some hardware because nobody makes good hardware, which we could use. But this data is very interesting to many stakeholders. So if you're a grain transport company, fumigation company, this is helpful to you to know what this condition is. What if you're a bank and you give a million dollar loan to a grower against his corn? If you knew the condition of corn was being well-maintained, you may be able to offer a premium product, maybe a discount, because you know the collateral is not rotting away. It's good. So banks are very interested in that. Insurance company, you suppose you need to insure this shipment of soybean from Brazil to China. Well, how do you price the premium? If you knew something about the quality, that can give you more confidence to offer a more aggressive pricing of the premium. So data is interesting to many stakeholders from financial institution to service provider, even the food company. I'm a tofu maker in Tokyo. I want to have a certain minimum quality level 
of soybeans, otherwise I'll reject it. Can you articulate what the quality is? Not just what you harvested, but how was it maintained? So we have a solution for that. So this is a different kinds of ways. This can be very interesting and relevant industry-wide because it's not just about sensing and predicting spoilage. It's about a data-centric approach to post-harvest grain. I really want to dive into this data aspect for the latter part of this interview because I think it's I think there's so much value there um, and also so many questions. And I guess my first question is, you know, if, if I'm a grower, right, my data is really valuable to me and I'm, I'm worried that it might be leveraged against me. And not to say that it necessarily will be, but I've heard many growers express this concern in our extension work. What, what, I guess, is your standpoint from a grower's perspective of how this data can be used? I mean, is, is it, could it be used negatively or is there more opportunity for creating additional value for a grower via this data? No, like anything else, could be used for a good purpose or a bad purpose. Mm-hmm. Guns, dynamite, social media. So it's the same answer. Our goal is to be good. Our goal is to use the data to help you baby your grain and maximize your uh, your income. But can somebody use the data negatively, say, I'm not gonna give you a loan or pay my loan up right now because you're not maintaining the grain, it's going, it's going downhill faster than we thought, could be used that way. So there's gonna be a struggle, which we have to resolve and industry has to resolve. It's not just telesense problem. But on the other hand, there could be a lot of good can come out of it. So second question is, who owns the data? What can we do with the data? So our philosophy has been and is that a grower owns the data. We are allowed to look at the data to train our algorithms and provide service. But we're not selling the data. You own the data. It belongs to you. So, you know, that kind of clarity is not prevalent in internet today. You know, Google, Mm -hmm. Facebook, are selling my data without, I have no control over that. We don't wanna go that route, but there, I'm, I won't say this is simple or obvious. Mm-hmm. It's complicated and a lot of questions are yet to be sorted out. But we're starting from a good place with more clarity of mind. Let's see how we navigate the borders. That's, I appreciate that answer for sure. Yeah, um, do you wanna speak on maybe how this data can improve um, like sustainability the you know, sustainability is really a big focus right now in the supply chain. What does this data have to do with that? Well, let's look at the big picture. The world population is going to go up 28% between now and 2050. From 9.1, I mean, from 7.2 to 9.1 billion. Is the arable land, when we grow stuff, going up 28%? Answer is now actually shrinking. So something got to give. Mm-hmm. So this is your sustainability angle. If you quit wasting about 40% of what we harvest, some before you get to the shelves and some after, that's the best way. And that's very much, that's all about sustainability. So we're addressing the first half that before the time you harvest it, by the time it gets to a food mill or process, we want to preserve as much as you can. That spoilage, like one and a half to two percent in U.S., is about fourteen percent in Brazil, twenty-two percent in Africa, and thirty percent plus in India. Hmm. So, 
Now, after you cook it, then it's 40% in the US and like 2% in India, so it's opposite. Uh, so, the, the, so it's very much about sustainability is the short answer. Sure, so sure. Taylor, this is the idea is that you, you, in two different ways. One is to preserve what you make so it doesn't go bad. Number two, use less energy in maintaining it by cutting down the energy in drying it and, 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 and also in, uh, in, in conditioning it. So the two benefits. So, uh, yeah, that, and I think those are both very important benefits. Um, you know, we, we've had a company on before, Bushel, uh, you might have heard of them, who's kind of aiming to build out this this digital infrastructure within the ag supply chain. Um, and I think they envision it eventually creating more transparency, uh, more, you know, quantifiability of, of sustainability practices from the production end of agriculture all the way through when it when it gets to the consumer. I guess, where do you see opportunities for Telesense to integrate into this digital infrastructure uh, and enable some of that, some of that uh, transparency that I think a lot of consumers are looking for when they're shopping for sustainable goods? Yes. So we are actually partnering with those companies like Bushel, like Combine, like Indigo, because they do a great job in merchandising what you grow and a marketplace. So they have data on the quantity, they have data on some other specification, but they're missing one piece of data, quality. Mm -hmm. What we are working on providing a metric to them, which will allow them to indicate the quality level as part of their, uh, their overall merchandising platform. You can imagine when you're buying anything, you wear about quantity and quality. So we have the missing piece that all of these uh, marketplaces lack. And I think this is a beautiful opportunity to partner and provide more information to the buyers so they can make a wise decision. Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. There are going to be a lot of opportunities there. And I think we're kind of coming up toward the to, toward the end of the interview here. Um, and I'll ask Taylor in a minute if she has any other questions for you. But one thing I, I definitely wanted to ask about, because you've referenced it a couple times, how exactly are y'all leveraging machine learning and artificial intelligence within your operations to influence some of these decision-making, um, or I guess the control schemes and, and decision-making schemes for growers, uh, as well as just getting a better understanding of, of logistics and stuff like that? So, you know, there's, there's some other product which are still cooking under the hood, which I shouldn't talk about. That's where it comes in. But the short answer to your question is, it's able to predict the quality of each grain three months out, six months out, nine months out. Mm. And that is by learning the behavior of each bin. See, each bin has a unique thermal profile. If one bin is south, south facing, and uh, there's bin, bin next, next to that is in the shadow, and there's an oak tree close by, it's gonna run three degrees cooler than the first bin. They're gonna have different profile how the grain storage condition will change. What if you start factoring that in, in your prediction? Then you could be much more interesting. So each bin in the world has a unique thermal profile, which is behavior of that will be learned through machine learning. Same thing about ventilation. Different J vents, different bins, different how the air circulates. So as you start refining your, the profile of each bin using these parameters, which are learned behavior, then you can become more accurate in predicting the future anticipated quality. So this is some of the product which I have not yet announced, but these will impact how you perceive it. That's what it becomes very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's really important and very exciting um, in the future for Telesense. Is there, before we wrap it up um, with a couple more questions, is there anything that we didn't specifically ask that you want to share with our listeners today? Well, you know, we have folks uh, very much in Midwest. We have people who can help you explain things better, give a demo, visit you in Minnesota, in Iowa, in Nebraska, in Illinois, in Indiana, in Wisconsin. So reach out to, you know, info at telesense.com, ask us, and uh, we want to be able to help you because really we literally can walk up to co-ops and farms and explain what we do and it's not complicated. So we'd love to people get in touch with us, info at telesense.com. Awesome. <laughs> you, you took the next question right out of uh, right out of the playbook here because I was getting ready to ask you how people can can learn about it and, and be supported in their, uh, their, I don't know, their grain monitoring decisions that they're they're getting ready to come up on. So I appreciate that. So I'll give a different answer for the second question. I'll say sales at telesense.com. Okay. <laughs> sales at telesense.com will also be another way to get a hold of us. But you know, we have lots of short videos on the website. Okay. And so that will help you. And then, you know, again, we're just getting started. So there's a lot more to be done. So with your collaboration, your listeners, we are on a mission. Contact us and let us save some grain which uh, which we don't want to waste and it's not about wastage because people blend in the question mm-hmm. is to improve the quality of thing why do you think so many people have food allergies and gluten allergies and a bunch of other things if you look at the supply chain a lot of crud is being blended in and if you can avoid that blending of crud and avoid the crud in the first place it's good for humanity it's, it's more than just profits so you'll be doing a good thing that's a that's a whole nother another angle that we could dive into there is this this whole idea of uh, food as medicine. I've heard that from two people so far on the podcast. One of them being uh, Ryan Reguse from Bushel, and then we had um, uh, we also had uh, Microsoft Azure Farm Beats. Um, we also had them on, and and that was one of the things that came up in that particular interview uh, with Ranveer Chandra was was him talking about you know food as medicine. And so I guess from that standpoint, you can start to think about it, right? If you're, if you're getting higher quality food, it really is starting to become a therapeutic, I guess, against some of the stuff that we've seen out there. Exactly. You're absolutely right. One thing that we always like to conclude our episodes with uh, is a piece of advice from our guest. And so what I would ask you for today is, is what advice do you have for those out there, whether they're co-ops or growers, uh, who are trying to improve their grain storage management? I think my main advice is, be open to change. You know, you have run your farm, you have run your storage location for 10 years, 20 years, and it's, it's kind of worked out for you. Great, but the world around us is changing. So there's a resistance to change, resistance to technology, resistance to people from California. So be open to that called land of fruits and nuts. We have people in Midwest, open your mind and you'll be surprised there's a benefit there so you're saying that even though you're based in san francisco you you, you understand what the footprint is here in the midwest and you, and you understand the problems that's why that customer discovery comes in right exactly that's exactly what comes in and you know maybe one of the biggest obstacle is people think oh you're from california san francisco i i don't know yeah. what I talk to. but you know we are all over us and we are we, we suffer, many of us are employees, we're farmers, growers, they know the problem, so they speak your language. 
Thank you very much to Naeem Zafar for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Bits podcast. I thought it was really interesting to, to hear a little bit about what Telesense is doing, how they got to market. Uh, and I thought it was super interesting that they've taken this transportation angle in their business. I think there are very few grain monitoring solutions out there that have decided to tackle the transportation industry. Um, and it's, it's interesting that they're leveraging data to kind of optimize grain offloading. For example, the, you know, the example he gave about unloading barges down the Mississippi River. Um, it's just super interesting that they're leveraging data in that way as well as in some other ways, right? Yeah, I think it's really my favorite part of this episode probably was um, adding to that data. They were able, one of their products was able to detect high levels of CO2 in the storage. I think that's really important for growers and handlers to remotely see how and if that product is changing over time. Yeah, and it's interesting because it's predictive instead of them having to, to wait for a while to really see when those changes are happening. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, anyway, it was a great episode. I appreciate you listening in. Um, just to kind of give you an idea of what this fall is going to look like moving forward. Uh, if you've listened to today, you've already met Taylor, who is one of our new hosts here on the Farm Bits podcast. Um, we also have several other new hosts. You'll begin hearing from them here in about two weeks as we start to dive into some new topics. Uh, this fall, we'll be tackling precision land management, which will mostly be Taylor, uh, Jose, myself, uh, that will be taking on that issue. Um, and then we're also going to be tackling digital tools and grain marketing, which I think is going to be a new angle for us, kind of more of an economics type angle. Um, and one thing that I'm really excited about is we're going to start diving into animal management, precision animal management. Um, and so a couple of our hosts are going to be looking at kind of behavior tracking um, and, and just how we're, we're better able to leverage digital tools to take better care of our, our animals in agriculture. So uh, it's going to be an exciting fall. We're going to run until the, the week before Christmas. Um, and we hope that you'll be joining us all the way. So thank you very much for tuning in and for being a listener of the Farm Bits podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Bits podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback. So if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the review section of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We'd like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect reviews of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Bits.